author and life coach. And I'm so excited to have Janine listen with me. Janine, also called the parting lady, is the thriving strategist for small businesses from Switzerland. She began her career as an engineer and spent her time on construction sites. It wasn't her passion as well as her next stop in marketing and product management. Finally, she found her big mission, which is to empower small businesses to build the pricing strategies that help them charge for the value they deliver and build more sustainable and profitable businesses. Welcome, dear Janine. I'm so excited to hear your story. Thank you, Esther. Thank you for having me here. Hello, everyone. So Janine, you told me before you wanted always to be a little bit different and it started early on. Yes, yes, it did. I've always been very independent. Uh, I think my nickname at a very young age was actually Little Miss Independence. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's called me that in years, thankfully, but I think people would say I'm still pretty independent. And one of the first signs when I think back on, on, you know, wanting or doing things differently to other people was in about the fourth grade when you could join the band. So it was about 10 or 11 years old. And the band instructor said, well, what do you want to play? And I said, I, I don't know. And he goes, well, all the girls like to play the flute. And I said, okay, then no, I don't want to play that. <laughs> and he said, how about the clarinet? And nope, that's what all the other girls play. And he said, okay, well, we have an oboe. And I said, what's that? And he he, he pulled it out. I, if you've ever seen one, it's quite an odd looking instrument. And I said, that's great. I'll do that. <laughs> really I wanted to do something that was different and unique I couldn't have expressed it that way at at that point in time in my life but that is a trend that I've seen throughout life over the years absolutely and how about high school you studied you didn't study the flute no (laughs) no I didn't study the flute in high school that's very true actually when I was uh, about 16 I had an uncle who came to me and he asked me at Christmas dinner you know what I wanted to be when I grew up and I said well I don't really know and then he said what are you good at and I said math and science he said so how about an engineer and I said okay (laughs) not really knowing what that was he, he was a role model in the family. He was the, uh, he was my dad's cousin actually. And he was uh, educated, had a higher education. I think he was the only one in the family at the time. And so then the next year at Thanksgiving, he said, where are you going to university? And I said, I, I don't know. <laughs> and he said, well, Cal Poly has a great architectural engineering program. Why don't you do that? And I said, okay. <laughs> And I, I mean, I really literally leapt in head first. It was the only university I applied to, the only program I went for. And quite frankly, I didn't even know really what it was until I got there and started in it. <laughs> but I did, I got accepted. I had the grades and the, the background to be able to do it. And I love buildings and bridges. When I was a kid, I, I had my dollies, but my dollies also had Lego and Lincoln log homes. <laughs> <laughs> I was always building them structures. <laughs> so it was kind of, in a way, it was almost inevitable that that's where I ended up. Yeah, but you didn't stay there. No, I did not. 
<laughs> Absolutely not. Now I practiced after university, I moved to the East coast of the U S. So I grew up in California. And then when I moved to the East coast, I got a job with a small structural engineering firm after about two and a half, three years, three, three and a half years, I guess it was. I decided it wasn't social enough for me that I wanted to be doing something that involved being around more people and, and that was using, I've always considered myself, I'm a combination of right and left brain. So I wanted to be able to use my creativity as well as the logical part. And, uh, but I didn't know what that was. That was the challenge. So I got a job with a high voltage test and measurement firm, <laughs> which I'll put that, it, it, we made lightning. It sounds much more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and I worked my way into product management. And that was when I first really came into contact with what I do now, which is pricing. I was a product manager. They gave me my product lines. And part of that was the price lists. And the first thing that I noticed was the price list was 20 years old. And that did not sit right with me. Now, let's face it. I had no one had ever taught me how to do pricing. That's not something they teach you in school. Even in business school, they don't teach it. So I was using my own intuition and I redid not just the price list for my product line, but then I got the other product managers together and we did it for the, the rest as well. Now I was a product manager, so pricing wasn't my only thing, but what's interesting about my job with this company is it's actually how I ended up in Switzerland. Tell me more about that. So at the time I had worked for the company for about four or five years and I wasn't really happy anymore with what I was doing. I was looking to do something more. And so I found another job in New Hampshire uh, a great job. I was very excited about it. I accepted the job. And when I gave my boss notice, he said to me, Janine, will you stay with us if I can offer you a job in Switzerland? And I was stunned because it had never occurred to me that that might actually be an opportunity for me. Never once did it cross my mind that I could ever do something like that. And I remember very distinctly, I was terrified by this big life decision. I had just gotten off a bike ride with two of my friends. We were standing in the parking lot at the pizza parlor and I was crying hysterically. And I was crying because I had accepted a job offer, a great job, and I felt like my word meant something. <laughs> and then my boss came to me and offered me this lifetime opportunity which had so many question marks above it <laughs> to go live in, in Switzerland, to go somewhere where I didn't speak any of the languages, you know, all of these things combined even further away from my family. And I knew what I wanted to do, but I was terrified to one, tell the people at the first job that I wasn't coming <laughs> and two, to just take that leap and go by myself. And I was, I was a wreck. I was completely crying. And when I look at it in retrospect, I actually laugh at myself. Here I was hysterically crying like the world was coming to an end over two perfectly wonderful opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> but when I looked into my heart, this, was the, this is how I describe it because this is exactly what I did. I just sat there and I thought about the first option and tried to see what was going on in my heart, what I felt. 
and then thought about the second option and looked at how that felt in my heart. And there was no decision to be made. It was absolutely clear what I needed to do. I just had to have the courage to do it, <laughs> you know, to call the company and say, I'm not coming, I'm going to Switzerland. <laughs> how did you overcome the fear? So once I make my mind up to do something, I am absolutely determined in the pursuit of something that it doesn't matter what's in your way, you will just do it anyhow. And so I just did it. I, I called the guy and I said, look, I said, an opportunity has come up. It's a once in a lifetime thing and I can't pass it up. If I had thought for even a moment, it was a possibility. I wouldn't have accepted the offer with you without exploring that first. I'm sorry to do this to you. <laughs> and then I stopped talking. <laughs> and he, he was very kind and, and he could have been very angry and he would have right, you know, had a right to be, sure. uh, but he thanked me and wished me all the best. And yeah, so I just, sometimes you get pushed so hard or you're, you feel like you're up against the wall so hard that the only thing that you can do is just jump right in. As a kid, my dad, you know, we were not allowed to go in the swimming pool one toe at a time. If he saw you going in one toe at a time, he'd pick you up and throw you in. <laughs> so so I, I guess I come from an upbringing where you, you just take those steps. That's just, part of of life I guess did you feel fearful sometime afterwards in oh, Switzerland? <laughs> all the time I mean everything you know, when I moved to Switzerland and people back in the states would ask me you know what's it like I would say well just imagine waking up tomorrow and everything you do being just slightly different than what you expect but you don't know that it needs to be different. And it's just, you know, it's the little things in life. One of the funniest situations I had was I was I, the first night in Switzerland. I hadn't had time to go to the bank and get cash. So I only had credit cards. And so I went to a restaurant down the street from where the hotel I was at. And I wanted to ask the guy if he takes visa credit card. Right. And so he came to the table. I spoke zero German, well, two sentences, which were completely useless. And I said, you know, I said, do you take visa? And he looked at me and he goes, oh, okay. And two minutes later, he comes back with a wine glass and a little carafe of white wine. Now, you know that in Swiss German, <laughs> white wine is what? <laughs> visa. Oh my God. And I, you know, I had no idea why he brought me the white wine. So then I took my credit card out and I was like, no, do you take Visa? And he goes, oh, Visa. visa. Mm -hmm. He spent the whole rest of the night laughing, <laughs> mumbling Visa to himself. Um, but, you know, it's just like everything you do is just a little bit mixed up and it is scary. Yeah. Plus, I had the added um, difficulty, if you want to call it that that about two months after I moved to Switzerland, 9-11 happened. Mm -hmm. And so then I was, you know, in a foreign country where I didn't really know anybody and I didn't know the language and the world was just kind of, it felt like it had gone on its tail. Yeah. And mm. that, that created a lot more anxiety, of course, um, fear for me, fear for the family. Yeah. So absolutely. Mm. Yeah.
And how did you overcome this fear step by step? So sometimes you have to think about what, there's different aspects of it. So sometimes I think to myself, okay, is this fear holding me back from doing something that I really want to do? And, and is that logical for me? So I don't know if you know uh, Tara Moore, she wrote a very beautiful book called Playing Big. It's about getting women to play bigger in life. She talks about two types of fear in the book, one called Peshad and the other called Yara. Hopefully I've pronounced them right. And Peshad is the fear of imagined things. So like, you know, if you don't like snakes, a fear of an imagined thing that any snake that you find is going to hurt you or you know whatever it is and then Pesha, or, uh, Yara is the fear of stepping into something greater than yourself to me it's that that fear of stepping outside of your comfort zone and as she puts it in the book one of those fears is something that makes you contract like snake makes me want to crawl into a hole <laughs> And one of those fears actually is very expansive. The Yura is very expansive. So if you can identify which type of fear it is, you know, you can have a fear of public speaking and it can be a Peshad fear where, you know, you really have a phobia against it. And it can also be a Yura fear. And for me, public speaking was the perfect example of a Yura fear. I had a bad experience when I was in university. I ended up crying on stage in front of about a hundred people. It was embarrassing. <laughs> That's all get out. And I shied away from public speaking for many years. Uh, or not in high school and university. And then one year I thought, all right, I really envy these people who speak on stage and look like they're having fun. That's what I want. So I joined Toastmasters with the objective of enjoying public speaking not become a good public speaker, you know, those things were, were secondary. It was about enjoying being up on the stage. And then in 2012, I think it was, I was a European Toastmasters humor speech champion. Never could I have imagined that that girl running off the stage in tears <laughs> would ever get to Yeah. Janine. So wonderful. Mm-hmm. When did you do you remember when did you step in your bigger self the last time? The one that comes to mind right now is I'd always wanted to do a large sporting event. I've always been sporty, but not like super, I don't even know how to put it, especially coming to Switzerland where you guys are so sporty. Because <laughs> athletic is, is what I would call it here. And I, I signed up to do the Engadine Ski Marathon. And I really, it was really, I was, I felt like, okay, I'm just going to make a total fool of myself with this <laughs> because I, you know, I was more fit than I am now, but I certainly was not super fit. Uh, and I just committed myself to it. And it was, I think there's three layers of, of achievement there. One, yes, I did finish it. It took me five hours and 47 minutes. And that was amazing. Uh, although I was crying at the end because I was so glad it was over. <laughs> that was all on ski, the Engadine Marathon. Yes, yes. It's a cross-country ski marathon. Exactly. But the path to get there. So my own determination to 
to make it happen, to do what I needed to do. But the best part of it, and also the best part of the Toastmasters journey was the people that helped me get there. Mm. And I think that's a big part of being courageous or also getting over those fears is reaching out and having people there to help and support you. So the original person that, um, that encouraged me to do the ski marathon <laughs> was a, a guy named Andy. He was a tour leader on a cross-country ski trip I went on and I had had a, a horrible moment. I couldn't figure out how to stop and I was crying on the slope and and then I picked myself up and I went on and then an hour later he's like you should do the marathon (laughs) I said yes (laughs) okay um but then he recommended me to a ski instructor and I went to Kondersteg every weekend during the ski season for a season and a half And I got a trainer here in Basel so that in between my skiing and during the summer seasons, I could keep training so I could do it. And the relationships and the encouragement I got and the things that I learned from those people is amazing. And I appreciate all of them. So I think that when it comes to having courage and getting over fears, it's also important to remember that you don't have to do it alone. Mm. And often the best part of achieving those things is the people that you're on that journey with. And how about your business? Having a business, it means also taking one step by the other and overcoming the fear. Absolutely. So after I got certified as a pricing professional and I went into pricing full-time all the time, I knew that I had stumbled onto something that was unique. There are very few. When I got my certification, I think I was one of the first 50 or 60 people worldwide to get this certified pricing professional designation. And I realized there were very few people, recruiters were calling me all the time, (laughs) begging me to come in for interviews because there just weren't people who had experience in this area. And I thought, hmm, I bet I could have a business with that. But I never had the desire to actually start my own business. So I kind of, I, I, I liken it to, I was standing at the edge of the cliff peeking over the side for quite a few years, thinking, hmm, should I or should I not? (laughs) And I went through a burnout in my last corporate job. And it was through the healing process of that, that I decided, okay, I loved the corporate world. I loved the experience and the people and everything that I, I went through there. It's time for a change. And what I really wanna do is I wanna help small businesses. And I thought about, do I want to do that with pricing or speaking or some other thing that I know? And I realized, no, pricing is actually where I can be of the most service to people. Small business owners have a tough time and getting to that point where you can be profitable and sustainably profitable, I can help them shorten that. So why not use my my powers for helping out that specific group? And that's why I do what I do. I believe everybody has a right to financial freedom. And that small business owners, it it can be really tough. And uh, so that's why I do what I do and why I want to help them. Mm. Great. What would you recommend to small business owners? Three important steps, maybe. I will go back to something I just said a moment ago, but also applies to this, is you've got to make sure you have help along the way. 
Zig Ziglar said it in one of my most favorite ways. He said, if you see a turtle on a fence post, you can be sure he didn't get there by himself. <laughs> so, and I have this image of the turtle and his little legs going like this and he's going nowhere, right? Um, because, and it's true. I, you know, I, you and I met through a mentorship program and the other people that have been in that program are, are just, they're amazing. And it's an amazing network and community to be a part of. And I've worked with coaches and mentors. I constantly am, you know, working with different people because I can't see it all in my business. You know, what is so clear to me in someone else's business, often I completely miss in my own. So I think that that's a really important thing to know. And for me personally, I never invested in myself when I was in the corporate world in the way that I invest in myself now as a business owner. And it is an investment. It's not just a cost. It's an investment in myself. I have to learn to do things differently, to think differently. How about the two others? I think another one that I can give, and let's relate this to pricing because that's where I can, can really help you guys, is you have to understand the figures, the numbers in your business. I know some of you, that's going to make you squirm, but you're in a business to be profitable. That is the only way that you're going to be there to continue to serve your customers. So you've got to understand how the decisions you make around who you're targeting, what you're offering, where you're offering it, how you're delivering it, how those things affect your price and therefore your profitability. And if you don't do that, then you're, you're kind of like a camel with your head in the sand. <laughs> That's really important. So understand your numbers and how your business decisions affect eventually your profitability. The last thing I would say is have fun. This is fun. It is an adventure. It will go up and down. That's for sure. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. There will be times when you feel really low and times when you feel really high, but you should make sure that along the way you are enjoying yourself and having fun. Otherwise, it's probably just not worth it. I strongly believe that we should enjoy things. And while we can't be happy all the time, we can make sure to intersperse a bit of fun along the way. It will make it much more or much less painful. Let's put it that way. Great. And Janine, how do you ensure that you have fun? I do all kinds of weird and crazy things. <laughs> so sometimes I just, you know, I did a, an episode of my own. I have a live show. I did an episode of my own live show and it was such a goofy, I think the title was like how five ways to get rid of that na that dirty little discounting habit that you have or something like that. And the whole way through, I was actually laughing as I was delivering the episode because it was so, you know, I knew that the title was going to be catchy. I knew I could do some really fun things with it. And so it's easy, you know, for people, especially with what I do with pricing for people to think, oh, it's, you know, it's logical and it's this and it's that and she's a square and whatever, but you can have fun even with a topic that may seem dry. So you, you just have to make the choice to do it. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> even pricing can be fun. Where can people reach you? You can find me pretty much everywhere at The Pricing Lady. So my website, thepricinglady.com, and then on social media as well. One last word, Janine. What would you tell our audience? The worst thing that you can do for yourself 
is allow fear to keep you from doing the things or achieving the things that you want to do and or achieve. Don't let that fear stop you. And if you need a helping hand, reach out for it so that you can muster the courage to do what it is that you need to do. Mm, very beautiful. So thank you so much, Janine, for putting yourself out, for overcoming your fear and for helping others to do the same. My pleasure. <laughs>